anyways, I think it's like what the second week of August at this point. And usually what that signals is that there's going to be football on your TV pretty, pretty soon. But uh, what's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media and sponsored by Audacia Sports. You guys know me. I'm actually your host, Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. Be sure to check out Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Look, I said a moment ago that we've got football on for the first time in nearly eight months but more specifically guys it's gonna be bears football you got the dolphins coming to town the bears are gonna be hosting them on saturday august 14th so before we get into all that right let me just say this sam stevenson my co-host isn't here today all right he is stuck at work because of all these severe tornado weather warnings blah 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 whatever the hell's going on that we've got going on right now in the chicago land area so you guys are going to be getting me solo for the rest of this episode now look there's still a lot going on right got our first bears game going on here got the bears wrapping up the second official week of training camp wednesday marks the start of or actually i should say tuesday marks the start of week two but let's get right into it right because for the last couple weeks guys at training him it's been the bears offense versus the bears defense whether that's first second third fourth string guys on offense against first second third fourth string guys on defense now look these joint practices they provide the bears with an opportunity to really evaluate the roster against actual nfl competition and look we know that everyone's going to keep an eye on the quarterbacks especially the 11th overall pick in justin fields what I'll say is this, is after watching Justin for two straight weeks now, I have to say one thing. I think that the gap between him and Andy Dalton is significantly closing. But what Justin has to do over the next couple of weeks, right, is prove that he's ready to start week one against the LA Rams on September 12th. Because there's what, like a month left till the season? So the pressure is really ramping up here. And if you're a veteran in Andy Dalton you are looking at all this you're saying damn you know what I've been in this league 11 years now I signed here for 10 million dollars a year because they essentially guaranteed me the starting spot is what they did Ryan Pace said it the general manager Matt Nagy the head coach said it I am familiar with the offensive coordinator Bill Lazor I'm gonna do whatever I can to hold off this rookie because what's gonna happen is this is that there's not necessarily a quarterback controversy that's brewing here and well we'll get to the quarterback controversy later but what i have to say is this if you're matt nagy and you see that your hand pick quarterback in justin fields is performing the way he is you know what you're looking at all this and you're saying damn no matter what i'm gonna play Fields sooner rather than later to see what he has but if justin legitimately shows that he's ready to go week one then he's ready to go week one. But let me take a step back here. I was at training camp on Friday, August 6th, and it was the first of three straight padded practices for the Bears. Now, I have to say one thing, is that Justin looked like the better quarterback in pads. And if you're in the Chicagoland area and you haven't gone to a camp yet, or you're in a situation where you unfortunately just haven't gotten the tickets, or you are unable to make it because you don't live in the chicagoland area let me break it down for you 
Justin looks so much better in pads. All right. And there's a couple things that I noticed in those goal line, those red zone drills. Number one, just his ability to continuously stay composed while being in the pocket, while the pocket was collapsing, the pocket presence, the arm strength, the poise, the accuracy, the calm demeanor with which he handled himself and was also able to go through his progression bodes really well for this coaching staff. Because I think people are slowly beginning to realize this, that Justin is farther ahead of where he needs to be in terms of his development. I mean, let's flash back to the end of any camp, which was mid-June, so about six to seven weeks ago. When the Bears went on summer break, the whole homework assignment that Justin Fields was given by the coaching staff was learn how to call plays into huddles or into the huddle because at Ohio state uh, for every single play, Justin would be looking over to the sideline to get the signals for this is the play that you need to call. So being able to do so verbally and then just having it committed and memorized down is one major aspect of Justin's game. That's really improved. And I think that that was so prevalent on the Friday, August 6th training camp practice that I was there. Now, let's just be real, guys. If you're Matt Nagy, honestly, you're looking at this and you're saying, damn it. My veteran quarterback in Andy Dalton has shown that he's capable of starting, but my rookie in Justin Fields has shown he's capable of starting too. And Matt knows that there's probably going to be a quarterback competition that Bruce but Matt's not going to acknowledge it. And it's very simple. Why? Because if you do that, what's going to happen is this is it's going to be a repeat of last off season where every single day, it just seemingly felt like Mitch Trubisky was winning one day. And then also Nick Foles was winning the next day. Oh, which by the way, side note, Mitch Trubisky was taking shots at the bears. Well, Indirect shots, let's just say at the Bears organization today, because he spoke to the Buffalo media and was just talking about how, oh, yeah, it's nice to feel wanted in an organization and a team that wants me, values me, wants to see me progress as a player in person. Now, I'm going to be real, man. I mean, Mitch is gone and Mitch Trubisky's out of here. So stop worrying about freaking Mitch Trubisky, whether you supported him or absolutely freaking hated the pick from day one. Stop supporting Mitch Trubisky because he's no longer here in Chicago, so he shouldn't be of your concern. And Oh, yeah, and speaking of former Bears quarterbacks, guys, I promise I'll get back on track in a second here, but Jay Cutler apparently got kicked off Instagram, so he's going to be back now, but, well, he's back on social media, but he's on Twitter. So go follow him because it's going to make for some really interesting stuff. Just please don't get heated over his political opinions. Anyways, speaking of practices, right, and getting heated, I know it's super hot here in Chicago. It felt like 104 degrees today, but you got the Dolphins coming to Hallis Hall for three straight practices. Now, overall, guys, I'm going to say this much, right, is that when you look at, Miami's roster, I think it is intriguing because these joint practices, and we have to keep something in mind. I kind of mentioned this earlier, right? The Bears, the last two weeks have been Bears versus Bears on offense and defense. Now for the first time, you have a legitimate chance to see where your team is really at because you're getting to see these joint practices and these scrimmages, right? I think when you look at 
Miami's offense, what do we see? Well, okay, we know that the quarterback to attack of law is always going to be the main focal point. And again, this is someone that a lot of people were comparing to a left-handed Drew Brees. So what and how Tua does is going to be a major talking point for the Miami side of things, especially because he is going to be going up against the defense that features Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks, and Eddie Jackson. I mean, Pro Bowl caliber players at pretty much every level. But I think what we have to understand is this, is that the Dolphins wide receiver room is the most intriguing part of these matchups for the Bears. And why exactly? Because you have a rookie in Jalen Waddle who was a top 10 draft pick. How is he going to fare against a relatively young Bears secondary whose two most experienced cornerbacks include Desmond Trufant and Artie Burns, two former first-round picks, by the way. But how is a guy like a Jalen Waddle going to fare against some younger talent on the defensive side of the ball, mainly Jalen Johnson and Kendall Filter? Now, Devontae Parker's going in his seventh season with Miami. He's got a lot of football in him. I think that's another experienced veteran that's going to be a damn good test for a young Bears cornerback room, right? So this speed that these guys like Waddle and the experience that guys like Devontae Parker bring, they're going to give us a glimpse, even though it's going to be a glimpse of like 50% because, again, it's joint practices and these guys aren't going at full speed. It's still going to give us a good glimpse of where we could see the Bears secondary is really at. Now, I also think that the Miami offense gives the Bears second and third string defense something to talk about as well, right? Because it's something to really evaluate. And essentially, here's why, guys. Because you have these veterans like Alec Ogletree and Christian Jones that have flashed throughout camp, which, by the way, Alec Ogletree has what I think like six interceptions and four practices here. I don't know what it is, but he loves picking off Bears quarterbacks. But if these linebackers show up, right, these vets like Ogletree and Jones that have been in the league for some time now, I think we're going to see the Bears begin to push off some of the younger guys off the roster or push some younger guys off the roster, namely a Joel Yabuniway, for example, all right? Or a guy like a Josh Woods, okay? Players that have stuck around and been special teams contributors, but for the Bears, I mean, they're going to realize, damn, if Ogletree and Jones keep this up, you know what? They are going to be in a situation where both players could provide significantly better depth because of the experience um, behind a player like a Danny Trevathan and a Roquan Smith, which I know a lot of Bears fans are talking about. Oh, Alec Ogletree possibly pushing Danny Trevathan. I think that that whole argument doesn't really bode well here because when we talk about Danny Trevathan, right, and we talk about his contract, we have to understand something. Is that the Bears brought Danny Trevathan back in 2020, and he was actually one of the key players that they signed before free agency started. Now, while 2022 is technically the last year of Danny Trevathan's three-year deal, look, he's getting paid $5 million this year, right? So the Bears can't afford to move on from him. And the Bears aren't going to cut him this year anyway because it's one of those where 
there's actually going to be $4.5 million in dead money that's left over. If you're the Bears and you're looking at this, you're saying, you know what? This is good for us because we have Trevathan and we also have Alec Ogletree. And I think depending on the types of defenses that Sean decides is going to run, that Alec Ogletree could have an increased role. But Danny Trevathan's still going to be the starter going forward. And which, by the way, that's totally okay. Because if you felt like there was an upgrade from Danny, then you probably would have pursued it last offseason. But the Bears opted to bring him back. Now, when I look at the offensive side of the ball for the Bears, let's just be honest, guys. I mean, it's so, so, so hard to really evaluate where the Bears are at. Because your offensive line's banged up. I mean... And the Dolphins do have an advantage, but keep in mind that we're talking about freaking preseason here. And when you have key starters like a Tevin Jenkins, a James Daniels, and a Jermaine Ifedi that are injured, the silver lining, I think, comes in when you look at a lot of the depth that the Bears have, right? Or not even depth, I should say, but just some of this younger talent and that younger talent encapsulates players like an Alex Bars, for example. It includes guys like a Larry Borum or a Lacavia Simmons, an Arlington Hambright, a Gage Cervanka. Uh, this younger talent that, you know what, not a lot of people are going to keep an eye on. But what happens is when the OL is fully healthy, that some of this younger talent does step up. And in case someone does go down, this young talent's able to basically be plug and play because I think we have to keep something in mind. When we talk about the second, third, fourth string offensive linemen, the most experienced of them is Alex Barr. Some of these guys have never even played a down in the NFL. Some of them didn't even go to big college schools or big schools that have major college programs that are noteworthy. So you factor that in mind when you're evaluating Chicago's offensive line. But I think Alex Bars is interesting because what Alex Bars does is he gives the Bears someone to essentially watch. He gives the Bears a versatile chess piece that they can move around on the interior of the offensive line. And what do I mean by that? I mean, he started eight games in 2020, all right? Did split time along all three spots of the interior offensive line because he had a start at left guard, a start at center, had, I think, six starts at right guard. And so my point is, is that Bars has gotten opportunities to play pretty much anywhere along the offensive line, but his best fit would be as an interior offensive lineman. And the theme for Bars this preseason, as well as throughout 21, just consistently needs to be the development of this young talent because let's... Just be honest, guys. There's certain starters right now on the Bears that may not even be back in 2022. When we're looking at this entire roster a year from now, you know what? I mean, there's going to be turnover because James Daniels and Jermaine Ifedi, those are two guys that are set to be free agents. And how the salary cap shakes out and how much salary cap space the Bears have left over next offseason is going to determine just how much resources they invest into the offensive line. And hey, listen, speaking of the offensive line, I think we have to address, address this Tevin Jenkins injury. And I know Sam and I discussed it last week, but I'm going to bring it back this week. 
I wholeheartedly do not believe that the Bears are playing it safe with this Tevin Jenkins injury. And I know some fans on Twitter and social media are going to be like, well, you know what? Tevin is the next Kevin White. Look, Kevin had three or four years of injury before he never even finished the full season with the Bears. All right. That's what Kevin White's issue was because he was injured every single year. What I think is happening with here is that it's something deeper than just back tightness. Because if it was back tightness, I'm sure Tevin would have, you know, just powered through the whole thing and essentially played or even practiced or he would have been back on a completely limited basis. All right. And there had been some days that he practiced, some days he didn't. But this is exactly like the Trey Burton situation from a couple of years ago where, you know, Burton had surgery. I get that. Nagy throughout training camp in Bourbonnet was like, yeah, you know, Trey's going to be back. He's good. We're easing him in. And then he ended up playing basically one game, missed the whole season. And so Nagy's dancing around any and every question regarding Tevin Jenkins. And the 12th practice is actually going to be on Wednesday, August 11th. So what happens with that whole scenario and what Nagy says there in terms of the injury updates, which I don't know why the Bears have Matt Nagy's press conferences before practice instead of after practice. It's probably to avoid all the questions about Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields and some of these other guys working out on the sidelines. But Nagy does start off with the... um injury report every morning and so we're still i think a ways away from actually seeing tevin return but it is really concerning because you do have to wonder is this a lingering injury from college that has just always been there that the bears may be missed on the evaluation is this one of those things that um you know Tevin being a guy that was pegged as a top 20 pick when fully healthy, is this could this possibly be an injury that made him slip all the way to the um, second round? Those obviously are important, important things to keep an eye on, you know. But overall, this offensive line, the silver lining is we're going to see a lot of depth play, and let's just be real. The depth has not been there for the Bears over the last two seasons with this entire unit, all right? Now, speaking of, by the way, um, Tuesday, the Bears released their first unofficial depth chart of the season. All right. Now, there's certain things that I expected it to be. There are certain things that I did not expect it to be. And one of the things I expected, guys, was this, was Narna Mooney, Allen Robinson, and Marquise Goodwin being labeled as top the top three wide receivers. I know I tweeted this last week talking about how Marquise Goodwin was fired up to be able to catch passes from Andy Dalton because he felt like, okay, I'm building something with Andy here. And when you go back and you look at the exact quote, I mean, Marquise pretty much said that he's caught a lot more passes from Andy Dalton than he has from Justin Fields. And I think that, and I said this on July 31st, you know, so it's been about like whatever, a week and a half, two weeks at this point. But pretty much what it was was that Goodwin was viewed as the wide receiver three and the starter in the slot if he was really getting those first team reps. And I think this step chart pretty much confirmed um what I said. 
But when I also look at the step chart, right, I expected Andy Dalton and Justin Fields to be QB1 and QB2. I expected Sam Mustafer at center. And then one thing that I found interesting was that Cody Whitehair was listed at left guard while James Daniels was at right guard. And then James, I'm sorry, um, Alex Bars was actually the backup right guard. Now, Lacavia Simmons being at right tackle makes sense. Um, Elijah Wilkinson and Larry Barone being listed at left tackle, I thought was interesting. What makes Borum so interesting at right, I'm sorry, at left tackle is that he was a player at Missouri that did play at um, the right side of the offensive line. He played mainly right guard and right tackle, but those I think are just a couple surprises. And I'm honestly not even surprised that when it comes to the tight end room, that we had Cole Komet as tight end one, Jimmy Graham as tight end two, and then Jesse James as tight end three. And then everyone else was JP Holtz, Jesper Horstead, and Scooter Harrington. I'll say this much, right? I do look at this tight end room and the first three names, Komet, Graham, Jesse James, they're doing really good. Um, I don't want to say they're doing real well, but that makes complete sense that they would be tight ends one, two, and three. And Jesse, by the way, is a player that's just developed a rapport with Justin Fields a lot quicker than people expected. But JP Holt should make this roster as tight end four simply because he's going to be a very good blocking uh, tight end. So that means the Bears will place him on the line of scrimmage, but also in the backfield to pave the way for a guy like a David Montgomery. And then just for Horsett and Scooter Harrington, those are just two camp bodies. Now, when you, speaking of blocking and leading the way for David Montgomery, what I found to be interesting was this entire running back room because you have David Montgomery and then Damien Williams is your second string guy. Khalil Herbert's your third string guy. And then after that, you have other, which includes Ryan Aller, Octavius Pierce, and CJ Marble. Well, what I will add on is this, is that when you look at Montgomery being RB1, that makes sense. Damien Williams, again, I was a bit skeptical of the signing, but um, he was out of football for a year due to the pandemic in 2020, actually opted out, but he's back. I think Damien Williams is going to surprise a lot of people just with his receiving ability. And he is definitely a very complete receiving back. But I think it's interesting that if Tariq Cohen was on here and he was ready to go because he still got the knee brace on, well, you know what? Something tells me that the Bears are not confident in Tariq Cohen returning week one. But also number two, we have to keep something in mind is that Williams being RB2 could possibly mean that Nall, Artavius, Pierce, CJ Marble, they don't make the roster. And by the way, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I am um, absolutely not in favor of Ryan Nall being on this roster. Well, I shouldn't say if you've listened to the podcast. If you listen to the podcast in the past, you listen to past episodes, I'm absolutely not in favor of having Ryan Nall be on this team anymore simply because it's getting annoying seeing players that are just completely failed prospects um, take up roster spots when we should be continuing to develop young talent. Now, I want to talk about this wide receiver room because 
Demir Bird appears to be the wide receiver four. Chris Lacey, wide receiver five. Um, you have Rodney Adams, Justin Hardy, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley. So really, there's a combination of players. And I think that Riley Ridley is a name that, for me, on the offensive side of the ball, could legitimately get the chance to come in and be wide receiver four. And breaking Riley Ridley down, he's a 50-50 jump ball receiver. He's a wide receiver that wins with route running. May not necessarily be the greatest separator in the world, and you do need separation. But hey, when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields who's going to thread the ball, Thread the needle every single time. Throw into those tight windows. Maybe you don't always need separation to have to win every single time. And then I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball here. I think this entire defense is interesting for me because when I mentioned this last week, and I think I mentioned it the week before too, but the defense is completely fired up. And Sean Desai continues to bring a lot of detail and energy to the unit. He's very detailed in what he does. There's so much energy. And players are brought in and are legitimately, you're beginning to see the results show. While it is going to suck that the Bears are going to have to wait basically another year to see... um the offense finally take off, but the defense carry the entire team. I mean, I think one general feeling around this defense is that they just felt so much like they were the ones being written off. And you have that, you know, when your older vets like Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks are coming in and they're basically ready to prove everybody wrong. So when Miami comes to town on Saturday, right? It's going to be important to see how someone like Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks does, despite the fact that they're only going to play like one series. But I think it's a good opportunity to see how the younger guys on defense are going to do. And some of those younger guys do include Travis Gibson, Kendall Vildor, um, Duke Shelley, even Xavier Crawford, Marquis Christian, Jalen Johnson. I say that not because... I'm naming off a whole bunch of defensive backs and cornerbacks, the worst position or the most intriguing, I should say, positional group on the roster. I'm saying that because this defense is getting older. And you know what? Someone like a Robert Quinn or an Akeem Hicks, for example, they might not be here in 2022. And that's totally okay, though. But how this young talent performs is going to be or could necessarily set the stage for what happens next offseason in terms of the defense. And we have to talk about the defensive line depth, right? Because you have veterans like Angelo Blackson, who the Bears signed in free agency to replace Roy Robertson, Harris, and Brent Urban. You're going to get an opportunity to see them. What will rookie defensive tackle Kyrus Tonga do? Because um, veteran Eddie Goldman still on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. And despite the fact that the Bears activated Elijah Wilkinson, Christian Jones, and Patrick Scales, but not Eddie Goldman from the reserve COVID-19 list. That's really telling of what Goldman's real status could be. And Matt Nagy kind of has mentioned twice now this offseason that Eddie Goldman's just someone that's just very difficult to uh, get a um, hold of. But I will say this much. When we sit here and we mention Goldman being on the reserve COVID-19 list, I do think it's a move that could take place before Saturday's contest. And maybe the Bears do feel like, hey, you know what? We need to get Eddie some extended action because we need to be able to see him because he hasn't played a football game in um, 
I think it's like what 18 or 19 months at this point because the last time Eddie played was week 17 of the 2019 season. And when you look at these safeties as well, right? Eddie Jackson's back today. Tashawn Gibson Sr. is going to be your starting strong safety. And then we look at the depth behind them. I mean, look, you have Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston, Carson. Tease Tabor is an interesting name. I think he's a former second round pick of the Lions. But the point is, I think, is that the defense is ready and it's ready to bounce back big. And it starts this week against Miami. I'll also say this much. I didn't bring this name up, but Bilal Nichols, I think is going to be an interesting player to watch because he is going into a contract year. And he has been asked about, Hey, what are your thoughts on the contract situation? And Bilal is just like, yo, I'm just trying to play football right now and win. So what Bilal Nichols does this Saturday is going to be a key talking point. But hey, listen, guys, I know this was a relatively shorter episode just because I was going solo. I just wanted to get something quick out there because I've recorded an episode pretty much every single week since I started this podcast back in November. So we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. We're going to have some cool news for you guys next week as well. But listen, that's going to do it for me. Sam's going to be back next week, hopefully. But before we get out here, do one thing for me. Or rather, I should say two things. Make sure you're following myself and Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Kosha, not Fireside Bears. Also, make sure, guys, that... You rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a good review as well, guys, because that's going to allow us to continue to bring some really great guests on. Also, last week, I dropped two episodes. Um, One of the ones I dropped was with Ari Mirov, aka My Sports Update, who has a following of about 500,000 on Twitter. Um. That was a great episode, sitting down talking with the NFC North. It's up there on Apple Pods, Spotify, every single podcasting platform. Go check that out. But hey, listen, guys, good morning, good evening, and good night, wherever you may be. It's been a pleasure being your host this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Always remember, guys, to stay safe as well as continue to bear down. And hey, the next time I see you guys or you guys hear from us, we're going to be like, what, I think three or four weeks away from that September 12th opener. And so the bear season's getting close. And you know what? We're going to evaluate the win or loss against Miami. But peace out, guys. I'm going to get out of here. Have a great rest of your day.